Good Friday service in, in uh, Dampara Baptist Church in Bangladesh was packed. Little children sat on the floor in the aisles and across the front of the church. Rows of people stood in the back craning their necks. They wanted to see this Jesus film that was being shown. And in the Jesus film, they were at the point where it was the crucifixion of Jesus. And in the crowd that day, there was weeping and gasp of, of unbelief. You could hear the shock and, and, and the hush as Jesus was crucified there in the film on the screen. As the Bengalis watched, they were feeling the agony of Jesus' pain and the disappointment of His disciples. And in that emotional moment there, as they're all watching this take place, one young boy in the crowd, he suddenly cried out, Do not be afraid! Do not be afraid! He gets up again, I saw it before. I love that story. I love the story of this young man there and he's in the midst of all this emotion and people just hanging on to every second of that film. And as he cries out, do not be afraid, he gets up again. I saw it before. There is that hope that comes to those anguishing people. I've been listening to a song lately. I don't even know how I came across the song. It's a worship song. But one of the phrases in the song has really captured my attention and I've just been thinking about it. And it goes like this, For every fear, there is an empty tomb. For every fear, there is an empty tomb. We know that Jesus Christ is alive today. And by the way, that's not a blind leap in the dark. The evidence is clear. It's unmistakable. He rose again. And that gives us hope Hope for the life we're living now. And we look around today and we see the darkness all around us. And we may begin to think, well, we know that Jesus lived and Jesus died and Jesus rose again and we know that that is a hopeful thing. Well, may we begin to wonder about Jesus and wonder about our own circumstances and maybe today you've come in and you're filled with anguish and you're filled with stress and anxiety and fear. Well, I want to encourage your heart today. In fact, I want to go to begin with, and we're going to be in a lot of different Scripture today, but to begin with, I want to look at Acts chapter 1, and we find the resurrected Lord Jesus. And I'm going to put those Scripture references on the screen for you, and so you can jot them down and follow along as you'd like today. But in Acts chapter 1, we have the resurrected Jesus here. And I'll begin reading at verse 1. It says, "...the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach." until the day in which He was taken up after He, through the Holy Spirit, has given commandments to the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom He also presented Himself alive after His suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which you said you have heard from Me." For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, 
he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. I want you to picture that in your mind's eye. The resurrected Lord Jesus has spent all this time with them and now as he's rising up, it says the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. What an awesome passage of Scripture. Wouldn't you have loved to be there that day and watch as the resurrected Lord Jesus ascends back into heaven? I think what it must have been like for those who were standing there gazing up to heaven. I wonder if they were caught off guard when these two men, angels, in white apparel, began speaking to them. I mean, imagine they're just enraptured looking up. They've just seen the resurrected Lord Jesus ascend back into heaven. They're gazing there and all of a sudden they say, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus whom you saw go up will come in like manner. There's so much that could be said from this passage, but I want to limit myself to basically one question today and and think with you about it for a few minutes. And it's this question, what is Jesus doing right now? What is Jesus doing right now? I mean, verse 11 is kind of like a bookend, if you will. He's taking up into heaven. He's coming back from heaven. But what about the in-between? What's taking place right now? What is He doing in heaven? What's taking place between His ascension and His second coming? What is our risen Savior currently doing right now? Well, we're just going to scratch the surface, but I'd like to submit to you four things that Jesus Christ is doing right now. Four things that He's doing right now. And I'm going to give you again a lot of Scripture so you can jot the references down and and listen as I go through the Scripture today. I want you to notice, first of all, that Jesus is building His church. He is building His church. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build My church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He said here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to Me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then as you study through the book of Acts, we have the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, verses 40 and 41. It says there, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now the church is the body of Christ. The church is made up of Jews and Gentiles. The church is made up of everyone who places their faith, their trust, their dependence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone who turns from their sin and places their faith in Christ becomes a member of His body. They become a member of the universal church. And Jesus is building His church. Listen to what Ephesians 5, 25-27 says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or any or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now I wonder today, friend, are you a part of His church? Now, I'm not talking about 
a part of a local church, as important as that is. I'm not asking you are a member here or a member somewhere else. I'm asking you, are you a member of His church? Are you a part of the body of Christ? The Bible is very clear, and we've talked about it, we've sung about it, we've been talking about it all morning. And that is the reason Jesus came. Jesus is God. He's always been. Don't think that at Christmas time, Jesus had His beginning. That was the beginning of what we call His incarnation. That is, robing Himself in flesh. But as God, He's always been. He's eternal. But he stepped into human history. We celebrated at Christmas time. He became a man, born to the Virgin Mary, perfect God, perfect man, joined together in the flesh forever. He lived a sinless, perfect life. And then he voluntarily, willingly, gave his life and was nailed to that cross, shedding his precious blood because it was his blood that paid the penalty for our sin because we had sinned. The Bible says everybody's sinned. Everybody's messed up. And because of our sin, we sang about it earlier, there's a great chasm between us and God. God is holy. He cannot even look upon sin. And so God in His holiness loved us so much. He says, I don't want you to stay in your sin. I'm going to provide the way, the truth, the life. My Son, the Lord Jesus... And He came and He shed His precious blood, died upon the cross, took our sin upon Himself, and was buried. He was fully dead. You know, there's some weird thoughts out there. The swoon theory says, oh, you know, He really wasn't dead. He was just, you know, unconscious. They put Him in there in the coolness and the dampness of the tomb. I mean, it takes more faith to believe that kind of stuff than it does just to take the Bible for what it says. No, He was fully dead. They made sure of it. Pierced his side, even making sure he was dead. He was fully dead. But then he arose again, victorious, conquering sin, death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible is very clear that if we will turn from our sin and place our faith, our trust, our dependence upon Jesus Christ, he will forgive us, he will cleanse us, and he'll put us back in a right relationship with God and make us a part of his body and make us a part of his church. And so I ask you, are you a part of the church? Are you saved by the Lord Jesus Christ? That is your greatest need, by the way. I know that there are many needs today. You might think, well, my great need is financial or relational or mental or whatever it may be. But your greatest need is to be restored into a right relationship with God. And that's only possible through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And right now, Jesus, through His Holy Spirit, is building His church. I will build My church and the gates of hell shall not withstand it. It shall not stand up against it. And so, we have here this idea that right now, Jesus is building His church. Now, what I'm going to say from this point onward is for believers. If you don't know Christ, I invite you to Christ today. If you do know Christ, then you might want to lean in even more as you think about what Christ is doing right now. What is it that He's doing in heaven right now? Well, we know He's building His church, but did you know, secondly, He is praying for us. He is praying for us. And this is amazing. Let me give you some Scripture on that. Romans 8.34 Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. 
Hebrews 7.25 Therefore He is also able to say to the uttermost those who come to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus Christ is interceding for us. He's praying for us. Right now, He's praying for us. As a child of God, we have the Holy Spirit who prays for us. I won't read the Scripture, but Romans 8, 26 and 27. The Holy Spirit prays for us, and then Jesus prays for us. Romans 8, 34. Now, He is our great high priest, and He makes intercession. He, he goes on our behalf. Listen to what Hebrews 4, 14-16 says. Seeing then that we have a, a great high priest who passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Listen, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may attain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So we have someone praying for us, interceding for us, who understands what we're going through. Why? Because He came and He lived as a man among men. He lived. And so He understands. And so He can intercede. And by the way, Jesus' prayers are always answered. Hallelujah. And He's our great High Priest. And when we sin, because as believers we still sin from time to time, we're not perfect. Now in Christ we're perfect, but practically speaking, God is still working on us and we still fail and we still yield to temptation and we still mess up. And when we do that, we can have restoration of our fellowship with God. Listen to 1 John 1, beginning at verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, listen, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. He's our advocate, our intercessor. He's praying for us. Think about it right now. Jesus is praying for us. He's interceding for us. He's our advocate. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're a believer, that ought to tickle you. That ought to excite you to know that Jesus is interceding for you because He is. But it gets better. This keeps getting gooder and gooder. Pardon my grammar. He's building His church. He's praying for us. You ready for this? He's preparing a place for us. He's preparing a place for us. This time the Gospel of John may be familiar words to you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now I said this is for believers. What does it mean that when it says that Jesus is going to prepare a place for us? Well, something... It has the idea of Him preparing a place for us through Calvary. That is, His dying prepared a place, allowed us to come and be made right with God. And, of course, that's part of it. But there's also this idea that He's preparing a place for us where He is now. That is, this is not our home. Heaven is our home. That's why we are not truly satisfied here, because our satisfaction is found in Christ. And so He's preparing a place for us. 
And we don't know all the details there. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. I think in some of the more modern translations, it says many rooms. I still like mansions myself. But, but anyway, there's this idea of Him preparing a place for us. And He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now this is, this is quite amazing. But do you see His love here? He's preparing a place for us. I think about when I go home to see my mother. And we go, she prepares a place for us. In fact, she goes to great lengths to make preparations and wants to know what we want to eat. And, and she makes special meals and desserts. And, and she makes sure that the, the bedding is right. And everything's right. She's preparing a place for us that when we come, she'll receive us unto herself. We might have fellowship together. But even greater than that, imagine the fact that Jesus is preparing a place for you. If you're a child of God, Jesus is preparing a place for you. We don't understand all the ins and outs of that. This is the one who spoke the world into creation. We know it's a beautiful place. It's a prepared place. It's an awesome place. Eyes cannot imagine. Ears, our minds, we can't wrap our eyes in ourselves around the idea of what heaven's going to be like, but it's going to be glorious because He's preparing a place for us. I mean, you look at what He's created here and the beauty He's created here. Imagine what heaven's going to be like. That brings great hope to us, which kind of brings us to the fourth thing that Jesus is doing, and that is He is waiting to come get us. He's waiting to come get us. I mentioned it a moment ago, but John 14, 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Now, the ascension, what is that, preacher? Well, the ascension is where the resurrected Jesus, He ascended back into heaven. Read it about it in Acts chapter 1. He goes back to heaven. The second coming is where He comes and He establishes His kingdom here upon the earth. And there's a lot entailed with that. But in between His ascension, going back to heaven, and His second coming, setting up things on earth, there's something known as the rapture. And that's what we're looking for, the rapture. You say, what's the rapture? Well, let me give you some Scripture on that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13-18. through The rapture is where Jesus comes and gets His people. He receives us into Himself. Let me read it to you. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, that is, those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus, those who have died in the faith, those who died trusting Jesus. What a glorious day that's going to be. He'll bring them with them, it says. Verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep, that is, those who have died. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I want you to see the timeline here. The dead in Christ. You know, when we have a funeral, we bury the body of an individual But a believer who's died, that is just their body. Their soul, their spirit has gone to be with the Lord. 
And, and in the rapture, it's the idea of them coming back and He's going to resurrect their bodies and not their old, decaying, awful, decrepit bodies. No, they're going to get a glorified, perfected body. Be reunited with their soul, their spirit, and then they will be whole forever. And it says that's what happens first. I've often joked about I would love to be in the cemetery on that day. Can you imagine standing out there and all of a sudden these graves just start opening up? Now, I hope I would survive and not have a heart attack and die after to be resurrected that moment, but I would, possibly. But if I was there to see that, it says the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. In other words, if you're still alive, if I'm still alive, and by the way, I believe that we're living in the last days and the rapture, there's nothing else that has to happen for that in order for that to be allowed to take place. At any moment it could take place. Even so, come Lord Jesus. It could happen today. We forget that. We don't think about that. But it could happen today. The rapture could imagine that if you were to step out on the cloud and the, the trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise and then we who are alive and remain, here's the good news too, we also get glorified, resurrected bodies or perfected bodies. If we're alive, we wouldn't have to taste death, if you will. If He were to come today and we're still alive, we'd be changed forever. But it's interesting where it says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. He wants us to be with Him always. You know, there's a rule when it comes to guests. You know the rule. And it's true whether we're entertaining guests or we are the guests. There's a rule. You know what the rule is? Guests come, but eventually, eventually they go. They're just a guest. In all honesty, some guests come and you wish they would quickly go. <laughs> there are some guests who you wouldn't mind hanging around for a while. But when you're a guest, there is a deadline. There is an expiration date. In other words, there's a time where you are a guest, you're visiting. But then there's a time where you have to go home. That's not what we find here. We're not going as the guests of God. We're not going for just a little while. We're not going with an expiration date. We're going as sons and daughters of the King. And thus it says, we shall be forever with the Lord. Hallelujah. Even so come. We're going home, beloved. Our Savior lives. He's alive. As one author mentioned, he's active. Right now, at this very moment in heaven, he's actively working on our behalf. He's building his church. He's praying for us. He's preparing a place for us. He's waiting to come get us. But only if we know him. Which brings us back to John again. That 14th chapter. Verses 4 through 6. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas, I love Thomas. Don't you love Thomas? 
also known as, I think, Didymus, another portion of Scripture. We often think about Thomas as the doubting disciple, but, I mean, he just, we could talk about that for a while, but Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? I mean, that's a, that's a legitimate question. I mean, think about it. Jesus says, I'm, I'm going. And, and then Thomas just says, how do, how do we know the way? How do we know where you're going? How do we, what do we do? And Jesus says very clearly to him in John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way. I'm the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you know the way today? Do you know the Lord Jesus? And if you do, friend, are you encouraged on this Resurrection Sunday to recognize that Jesus is actively at work for you this very moment? He's building His church. He uses us as a part of that, by the way, to share the faith with others. He's interceding. He's praying for us. He's preparing a place for us. Why? Because He's waiting to come get us. And when He comes and gets us, He's going to receive us unto Himself and we will forever be with the Lord. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a friend. Would you bow in prayer with me today? I wonder as your head is bowed and your eyes are closed and we're not going to linger along here, but I want to give you an opportunity. You can receive Christ today as God is working on your heart and you recognize your need and you recognize your sin. Just call upon Him. Believe on Him. It's, it's best, I think, expressed in a, in a simple prayer. We express to Him your desire to be forgiven. You acknowledge that you are a sinner and you give Him your life. You acknowledge that He is your Lord and Savior. You can do that right where you are, praying a simple prayer. If you really mean it. Something like, Dear God, I know that I've done wrong. I know I've sinned. And I don't want my sin anymore. Please forgive me of my sin. The best way I know how I turn from my sin and I trust You alone. I believe Jesus died for me and I believe He arose for me. And I invite You to take my life. I take You now as my Savior, my Lord. Help me to live for You all my days. And I wonder, friend, if anyone here this morning did you pray a prayer kind of like that and this morning you gave your life to Christ? We'd love to rejoice with you. I will do nothing to embarrass you. I won't point you out. I won't come get you and drag you down here. But I just want to rejoice with you and we'd love to help you to grow in your faith. We'd love to help you to take the next step in your journey with the Lord Jesus. But I wonder today as, as we go to prayer here, did anybody pray a prayer like that right where you are? You, and just, could you slip up your hand and just say, Preacher, I, I prayed a prayer like that today. I received Christ as my Lord, my Savior. Just slip your hand up real quick. Alright, I see that. Anybody else? 
All right, let me just speak to the Christians for just a second before we sing. I don't know what you're going through. I know we're living in some hard days. I know there are challenges and there are difficulties. And I know that um, sometimes if we're real honest, we, we wonder what God's doing in our life. Can I just encourage you today, friend, to remember that as we've studied in the Scripture today, that Jesus is actively working on your behalf right now. And He loves you. And His desire is for you to be with Him. And He's preparing a place for you and He's praying for you. And right now He's working. We didn't talk about everything He's doing because through His Holy Spirit, He's working in your life right now to make you more like Him. And that involves some hard times. That involves some good times. But he's, it's called sanctification. He's sanctifying you. He's making you more like Jesus. But I wonder as where our heads are still bowed and our eyes are still closed, and this is just between God, you and me, if maybe you're here today and you're a believer and you say, Preacher, would you just remember me as you pray and close the service today? i, I, I got some challenges. I, I know I'm saved. I don't have a doubt about that. But I'm just really struggling in some areas. And, and I would just appreciate it. I'm not going to call you by name. I'm not going to drag you. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to remember you in prayer. Between God and you and me, is there a believer who lift a hand and say, hey, that's me. Would you pray for me? Or I see that one and 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 that one. Yes, and yours and yours. Yeah, I see yours too. Anybody else? I see yours. Yeah. I see it back there. Yeah. Yes, sir. I see that. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. All over. I see yours. Yeah. Father, we thank You today. Your Spirit is at work in our midst. Lord, we rejoice in what You're doing. For the one, and there may be someone I didn't see that lifted a hand today and to make sure about their salvation, I pray Your richest blessings upon them. And Lord, a lot of my brothers and sisters put their hand up and They've got some challenges, some struggles, some things they're dealing with. And Lord, I thank You that You are with us. And I thank You that You love us. And I thank You that You're always working in our life. Even when it doesn't seem like it, even when it seems like You're far away, You're always working for our good and Your glory. So I pray for these brothers and sisters. Lord, I saw a hand, you saw a hand, but you see their heart. You know exactly what's going on in their life. And I pray that you would minister to their need, that you would help them, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would edify them, that you would sanctify them, that, Lord, you would do a work in their life for their good and Your glory. Lord, thank You for the hope that is ours in Christ today. Thank You that we do indeed serve a risen Savior. And Father, thank You for what You're going to do yet in our lives as we thought about it today, as You perfect us 
and glorify us. So Lord, we give You glory. We give You praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with uh, 449. The altar is open as always on a Sunday morning. If you would like to come and pray, we can assist you further. We would love to do that. But I think this is a fitting hymn to end on, especially as we talked about the dark days and yet the hope that is ours. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. And by the way, because He lives, I can face today. Let's stand together. The altar's open, 449.